Welcome to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. Hi, I'm David Manti, and welcome to a new episode of the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. With me this week is Kyle Laux, founder and CEO of Roll Pros. Thank you very much for joining me today, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. I'm excited to tell you more about my company. Well, before we get started, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the company, to the company, to the podcast. Uh, if you could help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review. Uh, if you want to email the podcast, you can reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com with email the podcast in the subject line. You can also subscribe to our daily newsletter. Make sure you get it delivered to your inbox first. Kyle, so telling us a little bit about the company. Before that, though, I'd like to know you know, how you found yourself in the cannabis industry. Uh, did you start as a design engineer and uh, sort of how did you cut your teeth? Yeah, so uh, I, I've actually been a cannabis user for probably about the past 20 years. Um, you know, definitely found it in high school and I've, I've always been a very creative person and uh, always always trying to find that new, uh, new perspective to look at a problem. Um, and cannabis definitely helped with that. And so... Um, yeah, I, I was using it prior to getting my engineering degree and, you know, becoming a product designer. And, you know, I, I found it uh, a very useful tool um, as a product engineer. Uh, you know, it was kind of like I'd rewind at the end of the day, roll a joint and uh, whatever, whatever problem I had been stewing on, you know, I would I'd be able to see it from kind of a bit of a new light. Um, and often I'd have these little, you know, epiphanies, um, and I, you know, so I've used it as a tool pretty much my whole, my whole working career, um, both as relaxation and, you know, kind of help me problem solve. So at what point were, I mean, were, so were you using, and then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden looked at a joint and just thought, I think I could do this better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost exactly that. I mean, you know, I saw the emerging market, you know, I saw like the potential there for automation. And yeah, when I, man, because I, I, I kind of, you know, I treat myself as like, I'm a bit of a joint connoisseur, right? Like I always try to make it just right. And, you know, try to make the burn a little bit better. And, you know, me and my buddies are always going back and forth and, you know, like who can roll the better joint. Um and so when it was legalized in my state in Washington, you know, I went and got this cone from the store and it was supposed to be this big magical moment, my first like perfect commercial pre-roll. And it just, it, it, you know, burnt like crap. And I could tell that they had dried out material in there because it was really hot, not very flavorful. And it was really a big letdown. Um, and you know, me and all my like fellow stoners, you know, we're like, there's gotta be a better way. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's when I really started hitting the, um, hitting the concepts and, you know, started really tinkering in the garage on making, um, a better process to creating a pre-roll. What was the, the early days, uh, like tinkering in the garage? You know, did it start with a napkin sketch? Uh, how did you kind of get rolling? Yeah, well, it started definitely is in the garage. Um, and, you know, I, I basically, I went down all the rabbit holes, right? Like first I went down the cone filling. I was like, okay, is there some way to like fill a cone better? Um, and, and I didn't find that, you know, that I was like, okay, you're limited by physics because you have sticky flour. It's like, this is, you can't rely on gravity to create a good density, 
Um, so then I went down the cigarette path and those machines also, they, they couldn't really handle getting the right density. And so I ended up back at like, okay, when I hand roll, like I know I'm actually like rolling it, you know, this direction. And so I was like, okay, well, we got to start there because I know that works. Um, and that's, that was kind of the start of it, you know, and there's, you know, those little like top style um, rollers with a belt in it that, or if you've ever rolled a joint with a dollar bill, um, I knew that that had some legs. And so that's kind of like where it started. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of got out of control. <laughs> was that surreal? You know, was there some moment where you're sitting there trying to figure out the problem while smoking, while trying to create a way to automate a better way of smoking? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like a self-fulfilling, you know, process where I was like, oh, maybe I'll smoke another joint and think about <laughs> that differently. Um, yeah, and there's there's definitely like a surreal moment when like I had this really rinkety, like 3D printed kind of prototype and it just like popped out this like perfect joint that was almost, uh, it was almost just like our end product. And I remember smoking and being like, oh my gosh, like this has like, this has legs. Like this could definitely, this could be a real thing. As a joint connoisseur, was there any conflict there? Is there conflict between, you know, a hand rolled joint and uh, one that was produced by machine? You know, a little bit. Um, but I really, you know, I, I made this machine for my fellow hand rollers, you know, and, and and if I when I do talk to him like Grasshopper, she's like a big influencer out there. And, you know, I met her at a show and we were both like stoked to collaborate. She's like, I love what your machine does because it's that's what the industry needs is that that radial rolling. And she's also like, and my fingers hurt at the end of the day. I can't do that many. And so um, I what I tried to do is, you know, create a technology that is it goes beyond what like the hand roll can do, you know, like I really want to enhance the, enhance the, uh, the ability and, and the quality of the smoke and the consistency. Um, so I, I see it as like, you know, I did this for my fellow hand rollers. What was the first machine? Uh, you mean in my career or the, the, uh, the first one for the cannabis industry. Oh Yeah. Yeah, so I had this uh, I had this test bed that was in my garage. It was probably first erected in like 2018, um, and it was you know I, I did all the parts. So I I was the machinist. Um, I did the sheet metal. I did all the 3D printed parts. I I did the firmware. Um, so it was like this kind of like janky is the term I use. <laughs> uh piece of equipment but it was a functioning test bed and i rolled thousands and thousands of joints through it for the the cbd guys that were down in oregon at the time um and so that was kind of that was really my first like um product i would say and then and then uh, and then i took a level of sophistication once that fully proved itself in 2018 and 2019 I was like, all right, now it's ready for, you know, to be in the hands of other people. 
Um, and that was, that was when I had to really buckle down and uh, do some serious CAD work and design and test work. How long was the design and development phase? And, uh, you know, up until that proof of concept point? It started in early 2017. That's kind of when I really started thinking about it. Um, and I had a, I had a project car that I was like, pretty sure I was going to die in. It's going to like get wrapped around a pole. Cause I'm like off like racing people and stuff. Um, so I was like, I'm going to sell this and I'm going to work on something that is going to, you know, it's going to turn into a company. Um, and so, yeah, it's 2017 is really when I started thinking about things, uh, on a, on a different scale. What was the project car? Uh, it was a 1987 325 IS uh, BMW that uh, had, I, I put like an M3 motor in it. I put a turbo on it. I did standalone fuel and it was crazy fast, crazy fun. Uh, but, you know, I had just had my first child at the time and I was like, dude, I'm, this is not going to be good. <laughs> it's amazing how that first child really puts personal safety in a different perspective. Totally. Totally. I used to be so reckless and dangerous on the, you know, snowboarding, windsurfing, you know, I was just like, let's do it. But yeah, once you, once you have another life that, you know, is way more important than yours, it's uh, it's grounding. Were you working for other companies as a uh, design engineer prior to starting Roll Pros? Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I was a, a consultant. So, um, my first job, which I loved was I was actually in the medical device and, you know, I, I created some pretty cool implants, uh, that were, that are, you know, saving people's lives still to this day. Um, and then, then I, I wanted to do something a bit more like intricate, you know, I wanted gears, I wanted motors, I wanted software, firmware, um, so I went and worked for a consulting firm and eventually, you know, I was working on HP printers. Um, I did some work for Facebook and Meta. That was kind of my last thing, um, working on some AR, VR headsets. And so, yeah, I had, and I, you know, I had done great things for great people and I had made some really interesting patents for, uh, for these companies to, um, you know, they built their companies on them. And I was like, hey, I, I'm ready. I need to do one for myself. <laughs> what were the implants? Um, yeah, so it was, uh, the, the main one is, it was like a rib implant. And so this is a little, um, I know the listeners won't be able to see it, but this is a cross section of a rib. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, the rib bone is a membrous bone, so it's really frail and fragile. And whereas most orthopedics would just throw a plate on it and then sink some screws in, um, you can't do that in that bone because it'll just pull out. So I created this um, is like one of the first plastically deformable implants. Um, I don't have any samples, but it's you actually wrap it around the bone and then you plastically deform it. So it, it molds to the shape of the, um, the rib bone. And then you sink some screws in and lock it in place. And what you get is just a really secure hold on those ribs and a, a much smaller incision size. Um, so, you know, better patient outcomes, you know, and all the, all those things. Having 
you know, there's a lot less risk when you're developing under somebody else's umbrella. What was it like kind of going out on your own and starting a company? Oh man, what was it like? <laughs> it was, I mean, it was one of the hardest and best things I've ever done. You know, I mean, it's, I see that's the same with kids, you know, right. They're not easy. It's hard, but you learn a lot about yourself and, and really that's, that's been the, um, the biggest learning is I'm learning what, what I can do better and learning how to motivate other people. Um, really it's, I'm learning a lot about people. Um, I think that's, that's the biggest hurdle. And I don't think you can read a book to learn that, you know, it's like, you kind of just got to get into the fire and see, you know, see who works best in each situation. And then, then you're working on, you know, getting them into the right spot and making sure they have future goals and that they're working on hitting them. And, um, that was, that was kind of the biggest learning. So what are you learning about people? <laughs> um, everybody is different and everybody has something to bring to the table and, and unlocking the full potential of people is, is sometimes as easy as leaving them alone. And also sometimes it's as often as just, you know, creating that personal relationship with someone and, and, you know, kind of making them feel comfortable to, uh, to show you their full potential. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you have or hold any patents for, um, your machines in the cannabis industry? Yeah, I do. Yeah, this, and it was a pretty tricky space because tobacco, uh, there's a lot of old patents in the tobacco, um, area, but I do, I have a, I have a patent that is, uh, it's pretty stout. I've got a, I'm doing an international patent on it right now. So I'm, you know, filing in a bunch of other countries. Um, but yeah, I do. Does it pertain to the way that, um, the joint is constructed? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I don't want to go too far into it, but yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's on the, one of the cool things about our machine is we're able to do a wide variety of sizes and shapes from one machine. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I focus on is like, you know, you can run a little pinner like this all the way up to like a one gram, you know, like almost looks like a blunt. And so that's really the, that's our, our niche is like giving a company something that they can develop multiple SKUs off of just one, one machine. I also read that yours were the first machines to come onto the market that didn't require pre-made cones. Why was it important to accomplish that? Yeah, that, that was, there's, there's a couple of things from like, as far as like how the machine runs, you know, like when you're, when you're dealing with a, a prefabricated cone that comes from overseas, that's handmade, there's just going to be variability in your inputs. You know, I treat that as an input. Um, so taking it off of a roll, which is what we do, we've got a bobbin, which is a giant roll of paper. Um, you, you just get more consistency in your inputs. Um, the real reason, you know, is the, the warm and fuzzies that I get from, uh, you know, creating a more sustainable supply chain. Uh, so, you know, I, I order 
you know, the bobbins, they come on a, a pallet. So one pallet holds about 400 bobbins, which accounts for, you know, millions and millions of joints, right? And I can ship that over once, hold it in my, my facility, and then ship it directly to my customers. And, you know, it saves a lot on like, you know, there's no giant container coming across the ocean with a big air-filled, you know, container that has a bunch of cones in it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's that sustainability that really, you know, makes us feel good at night. When you are working with your paper manufacturer, how are you able to maintain or kind of cut out that variability that other people have seen, um, not just because they were handmade cones, but also just because uh, the paper had different weights and uh, a lot of different characteristics from cone, cone to cone? Yeah, we just we work directly with the, the manufacturer. So it's the paper mill and they're located in France. They've been making paper for, you know, hundreds of years um and they you know the other nice thing is they know their inputs as well really well so it's like we know that we're not getting any you know no heavy metals in there which like you know i question some of the other paper mills um it's you know it's just a very seamless process and they've you know they've been well vetted by the tobacco industry too so it's like you know they kind of get that they've already they've already had to jump through all those hoops. So then when I come in, I'm like, Hey, do you have COAs on this batch? And they're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so it's nice. Why do you question some of the other paper mills? Oh, cause they're down in like Indonesia and, um, and, and plants are really good at pulling uh, impurities out of the ground. And so, you know, you could have a whole forest that you deforest and, you know, put into a mill. And, you know, if you don't care about where your paper's ending up, which, you know, some of those mills probably don't care, they're just selling it super cheap, then they're not going to test for these, you know, potentially really bad impurities. So that's why I question them. So is the uh, are the bobbins sold with the machine or is it you buy the machine and kind of just reorder the bobbins as a consumable yeah it's a consumable so you just yeah you you reorder them after you buy it and there's about you know each bobbin holds about 40,000 joints so you know you order a couple a month um and the other nice thing is it's quite a bit cheaper that way too so our paper costs to the customers about a penny um and then, and then our crutches are two pennies. So, you know, all said and done, you're in about three cents per joint. And that's, that's roughly like half of the lowest cost I've ever seen of a cone. How many machines do you currently have on the market? Um, I think we just shipped out machine number like 94. So yeah, okay. we've got, there's about 80 active machines out in the wild right now. What is the training process like? Is it fairly simple for, you know, unskilled workers to kind of get a hold of? You know, I think it would be if we were running with uh, a consistent input, you know, like that's the one thing that that we the biggest thing that we train about is the material input. So um, because we are dealing with an agricultural, you know, commodity, 
it, there's there's going to be a ton of variability in what you end up putting through the machine. Um, and as such, we have the adjustments on the machine to make sure that you can handle this wide variety of inputs. Um, you know, I'm talking like CBD is going to run different than like a really, you know, high key strain that's grown indoors and really dense. Um, and so we've got these adjustments on the machine so you can run basically anything, but you got to know which adjustments to make and when. And so that's the biggest part of our training is, you know, to kind of, we give people tools to qualify their flower and figure out, you know, we have like the compressibility of the flower, uh, the particle distribution of your grind. And then, you know, with those different uh, factors, you can then uh, run the machine as such. So, um, yeah, we do a, a five day training uh, and we recently started doing like a, a follow up two to three day where, you know, we do the whole ensuite training one week and then we come back in like a month and, you know, kind of get those follow up questions. What has been the feedback from the people that have uh, brought the machines in house? They love it. They, I mean, they love the quality of the product that comes out. Like, and that's really the whole thing is like, I really wanted to create just the highest quality joint that you can and do that at scale. Um, so that's, that's been the biggest feedback is, you know, everybody's just like, oh my gosh, I love how it burns. I love that I can put my fresh sticky flower in, you know, like they can, they can run really good flower through it and infused. So um, they, they love it. So it works with infused flower as well? Yeah. Yeah. That's because we designed it around, um, you know, being able to run fresh sticky flour mm -hmm. we found that people can add in their infusements uh into the the material before they put it into the machine and yeah they, you can run infused so when you first started the company i feel like you really felt like you knew joints but like once you got into the business side of things did it kind of change your perspective on the industry and kind of everything going on behind the scenes well, I mean, the one thing that did change is uh, I, everybody is pretty much like me, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're, they're looking for the same thing. They just don't, they don't know how to get there. Um, that, that's what surprised me about the industry is like, everybody's got a really deep passion for the flower, right? And they all, they love their customers. They love providing this flower to their customers. And I did, I found it, it was hard to, to get people over the paradigm shift of, you know, no, this isn't a cone, but it's a lot better, you know, like yeah. there's this, and people always talk about paradigm shifts and with new innovations, you know, I mean, the smartphone's a good one. A lot of people, you know, rejected that at first. Um, and then eventually they came around to it. And so that was, that was definitely something is, you know, you gotta, you gotta convince people of the, you know, well, you gotta think about it a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, most of the people that got it and that did roll their own joints, they get it when they see the machine and they're like, oh, this is going to be great for my customers and it's going to really show off our flower. So 
do you do you still struggle with that paradigm shift and the educational process it takes? Um, you know, we're getting better at it. I think uh, you know, we've been on the market now for uh, about a year and a half. And so people are starting to look for the new the new thing, you know? So um they're trying to differentiate their brands and I think that it's kind of turned from like uh you know trying to change these people that were just really early on trying to replace labor you know they're just like we just gotta we gotta get more efficient and now i've got these people that are like oh this is like this is different and it's better and we want to you know we want to grow our company by showing that we're innovators so that's that's kind of the shift that i'm seeing so is there still a holdup when it comes to investing in pre-roll production yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, cause typically, you know, pre-rolls have been undervalued. Um, I think for the, the past, you know, five, six years, because everybody just treats them as a byproduct. You know, you put your trim, you put your secondaries, your C's and D's, you know, you put them into pre-rolls. And so the shelf price of your pre-roll is so low that you don't really want to invest in, you know, putting high quality flour in or invest in, you know, innovative automation. Um, But we have seen in the recent years, this trend where it's like, okay, we get, people are starting to understand the convenience and they're starting to see the difference between like a low quality pre-roll and a high quality pre-roll. And so we're definitely seeing that trend now where it's like people are, they're, they're gaining trust. That's really what it is. Like you're gaining trust in your consumer base to to go with a higher quality product that's a little bit more expensive um and so yeah i think yeah people are getting there it's just taking a little bit of time so to that point is it possible to achieve craft quality at scale i definitely believe so yeah um you know and that was one of the reasons why i didn't want to make my machine too fast you know i mean if you're doing 5000 you know joints a minute right how are you going to be like whoa, whoa slow down you know like um so you know ours is like it, it clocks at 1000 per hour but you know we only say you know 750 per hour and that's that's about the right size where you can have somebody on the back end of the machine, you know, checking the joints, being like, oh, yeah, that's a good roll. That looks right. And then, you know, they can they can be operating the machine as well. So at a thousand per hour, what is the ROI? The ROI, it really depends on, you know, your state and where, you know, what what kind of profit you can get off of it. Um, there's a guy, one of my first customers and he, he was rolling around with one in a trailer and he, he had a great, great business model where he'd roll into your farm, roll the machine into your farm and, you know, roll up however many, you know, pounds you needed. And then he'd put it back in the trailer and drive off. And he said that he got an ROI on the machine in six months. Uh, and yeah, you know, I've heard as little as four months. Okay. Okay. Um, what is the feedback, Ben, when it comes to like maintenance and cleaning the machine? Um, yeah, it's very important. Like that's, I always, I stress that it's like, you know, make sure it's clean. You know, we have a, a 
preventative maintenance schedule. Um, the the feedback has been it's it's a lot better than some of the other machines because it is it's smaller and like our flower feed path is shorter and uh, just in general it's uh, it's easier to clean than most. Do you find yourself in an upward battle because the machine is smaller and it just looks? I mean, because of the simplicity of it, do you find yourself kind of like? Uh, selling how it's still better than some of these larger footprint automated solutions? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's, I mean, you just gotta, you gotta get people to understand the technology inside of it. Right. And and once they see that, like how different it is, then it's like, they, there's something clicks and they're like, Oh, I get it. It's, you know, it's smaller, but it is more like innovative and efficient. So, yeah. I wanted to talk about the new draw check machine uh, just because it seems like that machine in particular, it's all about airflow. How did you come up with the design and uh, what was the genesis of the idea? Yeah. So one of the cool things about our technology is uh, we have the ability to change how tightly rolled the joint is just by the touch of a button. And so no matter what flower density or flower grind size, um, we're able to tighten that roll more or less. Um, and kind of how I told people to dial it in is like, okay, do a touch of field test and then do like a, you know, a light draw, you know, like see how well it pulls. Um, and because our joints are open tip, you can actually do that and get a reading on it. Um, but really that's a very qualitative metric and you have to have, you know, a very skilled operator to set that, you know, feel. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, I, I bet we could put together something that could actually give you, uh, an actual reading, um, of that, the vacuum drop. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we, my engineers put together a, a little prototype and we sent it out to some customers and. Um, you know, now you can qualitatively say to your operator, like, Hey, make sure the joints are between, you know, 25 millimeters of water and 35 millimeters of water vacuum drop. And now, you know, now they know how to dial in the machine without, you know, doing a, a, a mouth pull. Okay. Um, was that as a result of feedback from customers or was that something that you kind of had on the roadmap already? Uh, definitely feedback from customers. Yeah. That's, uh, one of the things that we're pretty big on is, um, you know, we we're listening to the customers and, you know, we're very much involved in, in their business as much as they are in ours. And so, you know, that was, that came from a, an operator that was like, I, you know, I hired this new guy and he just started making them all really tight. And, you know, he's like, I, how do I prevent that? Right. And, uh, and so that was like a perfect little, like light bulb was like, all right, we can do that. Um, so yeah, it's, we're, we're definitely really connected with our customers and, you know, we're always trying to find new ways to, to make them happy. So what are the, uh, upcoming new ways? What are some of the things that you guys are working on, uh, that we could uh, expect to see soon? Um, well, I don't, I don't want to give them all away, but, we're definitely working on a, a blunt option. So that's uh, 
we've definitely heard that from several people and um my my sales manager that's down in california he doesn't he won't let me <laughs> he won't let me get away with not doing it so um and because we're rolling how we are we're probably one of the only pieces of technology that could do it um so yeah we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of that and uh probably have that out sometime mid next year given the nature of the pre-roll as you had mentioned before is like sort of a second fiddle product i guess do you see claims being made on the market with other automated solution and just kind of question the legitimacy of those claims yeah yeah definitely i mean you know i see some of the claims and i'm like you know I don't know how you're going to be able to do that and still have a quality joint every time. Mm. Um, mainly with like anything that's in a cone, you got to fill it. And in order to fill something, you're relying on gravity and the material properties. And you, in order to make it fill appropriately, you got to dry it out. Like that's just like, that's kind of how you or pulverize it. And those, those two things, you know, you, you lose all your terpene profiles and you really lose the, um, the flavor um, and the effects too. You lose those terpenes, you don't get the entourage effect as well. The cannabis industry is made of entrepreneurs like yourself. And a lot of times it's scary for people to make that leap. So what advice do you have for prospective entrepreneurs that are looking to take the leap? I mean, I think cannabis is a great space for it. Um, you know, you don't have the big, you know, you don't have a big like Nike or a big HP that you're coming after, right? It's like, you can, there's definitely still space to like claim as your own, um, as with any new emerging market. Um, and I think, you know, no matter what, if you have your, if your passion is aligned with the flower and like its effects, then you can do no wrong, you know, as, as you know, if you, if you're like, I'm going to come in and, you know, you know, buy out the supply chain and, you know, make a bunch of money, then it's like, that's a, that's not going to lead you down the right road. But if you are passionate towards the flower and you're trying to get, you know, a better experience to your end consumer, um, I don't think you can go wrong. So when it comes to experiment or experiment, when it comes to experience, do you prefer rolling your own still, or do you prefer do you prefer them off your machine? Oh, definitely off the machine. I mean, yeah, I, I, and I don't. I roll I roll joints every now and then, but I've pretty much lost my touch because the past you know five years I've been rolling with a machine. Um, and like I know how to I know how to run it so I get just the right joint. I usually use glass tips and you know, like I, I know how to make them bougie and um <laughs> so yeah, I still I roll with the machine. Have you migrated the rest of your friend group to uh the machine? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm definitely the most popular um <laughs> joint rolling guy. Like, you know, yeah, they they all like to come over to my garage and we'll roll up and it's, I mean, that's the other thing is like, you know, it's a great, it's a good time. All right. Like all my customers, you know, when they come out for a demo, we roll a bunch of joints, you know, we smoke them and then we go, you know, eat some lunch. It's like, 
how can you ask for anything better in your day job? <laughs> um, one part of the process that I guess I skipped was when, uh, when did you move out of the garage and uh, into a bigger facility? Uh, so that was right at the end of 2019. Um, so believe it or not, the first, I think the first four machines came out of the garage. Um, and those were all sold, um, just off of like a joint. Like, so I, you know, I had some CBD joints that I sent off to the customers and they didn't even see the machine, but they loved the joint. And, uh, so they bought a couple of machines and that was kind of like my, that was like my seed money. You know, I didn't, I haven't taken on any, you know, investors yet. And, um, so my customers really are, they were my investors and they, they afforded me the opportunity to yeah, move out of the garage. And, uh, I'm actually in the same building, um, that I, that I moved into. It's a, you know, it's an old post office that, uh, and we actually, we were just in one little sliver of it. We had about 1800 square feet. Um, and, Recently, in 2022, we had the the other tenants move out, so we we expanded to about uh, we're at about 16,000 square feet now. How has your life changed going from startup in the garage to you know managing a company now? Um, it's definitely changed. Um, you know that that nine to five of just, you know, okay, I just got to design this product, you know, and make one customer happy. Uh, that is, that's forever gone, you know, <laughs> and now it's like, you know, now I'm all about building a team and putting the people in the right place and giving them that responsibility. Um, and that's probably been the hardest thing. You know, I, I just want to take it and be like, ah, I can handle this. Um, but it's like, you just, as a, you know, as a CEO, you can't do that. You gotta be able to delegate and, uh, and give people that trust and that confidence that, you know, they can handle it. As a CEO, do you still get an opportunity to do some of the engineering? I do. Yeah, that's, that's, I actually, I'm blessed to have, uh, I have a really good, uh, COO, um, his name's Nick Buck and, uh, he, he can really handle more of like the day-to-day -day operations. And, um, and then, yeah, I'm able to still, I, I work really closely with the engineering team and, you know, we're always working on the new innovations and the next, next fun products. So I, I do get to play still. Okay. What are some of the major markets for you right now? And are there any areas that uh, you haven't broken into that you're hoping to soon? Um, yeah, it's funny, like we see it shift. Um, I think right now, like Missouri is pretty hot, St. Louis um, and New Jersey and kind of like right now it's like the New England companies I feel like are heating up again. Um, and, you know, I'd like to get more in California. I feel like that that one was a bit of a there's just more hurdles there. Um and then I also want to start looking overseas, you know, like Thailand, Amsterdam, uh, Spain. I hear that they're, you know, they're trying to legalize it. So, yeah, I'd love to take a few trips over there. Well, 
Kyle, I really do appreciate you taking the time and letting us know a little bit more about Roll Pros. But before we get out of here, is there anything else that we might have left out or anything in particular you want to make sure the Cannabis Equipment News audience knows about yourself or your company? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, if you haven't heard about us, you know, give us a call and uh, or or find somebody in the market that you're in that has one of our machines. Um, I always I'm happy to send people to my customers because, uh, you know, we we work really hard to to make sure that everybody's happy and operational. Um, so, yeah, I think come check us out. We're at rollpros.com. And uh, yeah, if you want to reach out to me personally, uh, my LinkedIn is just, you know, my name, Kyle Laux. And uh, I, I'm always I'm always happy to have conversations. So uh, and thanks again, David, for, you know, for setting this up. Oh, absolutely. I, and one thing I'm curious about is, so do you get a lot of business via word of mouth? Or is it one of those things where this is kind of like a differentiator? So people kind of keep it closer to the chest? Good. Yeah, we get both, you know, at, at first we'll, we'll land a machine and, and people will be like, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. I got the secret sauce. And then it's funny because they, they usually are the ones that are so excited about it that then they do tell their buddies and, and where it does get out. Um, and yeah, we, we definitely, we rely heavily on referrals and like, um, and that word of mouth. Um, it's kind of a, it's a beautiful thing when somebody comes to you and you're like, oh yeah, I saw the machine at Fat Panda and I love their joints. I'm really just here to like meet you guys, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, that, you know, makes my job really easy. So, um, yeah, word of mouth is a big for us. Do you have any plans to go to MJ biz? Oh yeah, we'll be there. We always have a big booth there. Um, that's, that's one of the last ones that we kind of go to, you know, like, uh, just seems like with, with our particular, uh, businesses that we sell to, like not many people are going to the trade shows and, and yeah, we, but that's, that's one that we usually go to. Excellent. Well, I hope I have the opportunity to see you there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Stop by the booth. I'll be there. Excellent. Well, Kyle, thank you again. Um, you know, if, uh, not any sooner, hopefully we see you in Vegas. Great. Yeah. Can't wait. Excellent. Well, before we get out of here, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You could also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. If you want to email the podcast, you can reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com with email the podcast in the subject line. You can also subscribe to our daily newsletter. Make sure you get it delivered to your inbox first. For Kyle Laux, founder and CEO of Roll Pros, I'm David Manti. This is the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast.